0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Champions of Happy podcast. The podcast where I talk to my friends about what makes them happy, what makes them smile, and what brings them joy. Hi everyone, I'm James, the host of the Champions of Happy Podcast. It's April, it's lovely and sunny outside, although I must say, the weather has been all over the place, from rainy to snowy to just really windy. Um, You're not here for British weather talk, you're here for my guest. And speaking of, my guest is Daniel, the Naked Bartender, a professionally certified life coach and bartender. Daniel is a coach and facilitator for CEOs and organisations under the brand name Move Leadership. At the side of this, Daniel's created the Naked Bartender to bring his life coaching skills to the rest of the world to help and show others the benefit of life coaching and self-development. Defining Naked as being real, vulnerable and honest, he offers his life hacking skills that can benefit all through the mixing of cocktails and coaching, which to me sounds like the perfect mix. I I love the idea of sitting down with a bartender with a drink and just, you know telling him my woes, and him giving me the perfect perfect advice. And that's essentially what it is. It's fun, it's it's light, and Daniel really provides these life tricks, hacks, techniques, tips, call it what you will, um, as really basic building blocks as to how you can look at a problem and how you can simply start to tackle it and take it on. It was a really interesting conversation with Daniel, and Daniel <laughs> kind of asked me some questions that I wasn't necessarily prepared to answer. um, And it made me think, oh, actually, Maybe I need a life coach. Um, It was really fun. Uh, I love a cocktail. Um, If anyone's buying me one, I will take a Long Island iced tea, or a porn star martini, actually, with a sharp prosecco on the side. Um, Yes, so enjoy the episode, and remember, if you are enjoying these episodes, which I'm sure you are, because you're still listening, um, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for all the new updates about upcoming episodes. In the meantime, enjoy.
0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Hello. Hello there, James. Nice to see you and
1: hear you. Thank you very much for joining us today. So, Daniel, you are the naked bartender. And listeners, yes, yes, he is naked. No, no, I kid. He's uh, he's fully clothed. He's very respectful (laughs) today. You are the naked bartender. Could you
0: please give us an introduction to yourself, who you are? Remind me where in the world you are right now. So, I'm in Barcelona right now. This is the first year that I've decided to not put up with another German winter and actually do something for my own happiness, which felt like... Being in a place where their sun makes me happy. So I'm in Barcelona. I'm originally from New York and have been living in Germany for the last 14 years. And you want to know what the naked bartender is. So my normal work is I, I coach CEOs and executives and work with their companies and their teams. So it's a lot around authentic leadership and how to create teams that thrive and not just survive and really can be in full trust and flow and openness with each other. And I've been doing that work, uh, this facilitation and coaching work for about uh, 11 years now. And over the COVID time, uh, like many of us, I noticed um, that if we don't think about how to create a digital virtual presence for ourselves, we face becoming obsolete. (laughs) And COVID (laughs) made that super clear to me because overnight, all of my in-person workshops and off sites around the world were canceled and i found myself really sitting there thinking can i do my work virtually first of all is it even possible to get people into a space of deep vulnerability and openness and connection with each other virtually and the answer to that is yes and no depending on the content Um, one-on-one i think it works super well like i coach a lot of my clients now only virtually and i think that's fine but group dynamics um are different in a, in a virtual context than in person. So I've been thinking about, you know, what, what does that look like? What does my work look like virtually? What does my work also look like in terms of being able to scale beyond just, you know, physical presence. And the other thing that I noticed is that coaching and self-development as a concept for most people on the planet, I think is something that feels very foreign and far away. And even if it feels interesting, like even if people have gotten to the point where they feel that working on yourself is a relevant topic for wherever you are in your lives, the idea of coaching is still very expensive and unaffordable. And so, you know, here I am in this position where I have corporate clients who are paying for individuals to go through coaching journeys and work on themselves and transform the way that they view the world and view their own um, possibilities. But most people on the planet will never have access to that, not at least in the way that it's currently offered. And so The Naked Bartender was born out of an interest to think of how can I make coaching accessible and fun and entertaining and light and give people that first step into it that they might otherwise never have um, by doing it in a way that is different than how it's usually offered. And I see a lot of coaching online and on social media that is just fantastic and amazing. But I do find that it's often kind of heavy, kind of serious, kind of... Dark, if not even a little bit scary. And Mm -hmm. there's good reason for that, right? Because coaching often unpacks a lot of, um, you know, great possibilities, but also difficult truths that we have to get through. But I wanted to bring in a different flavor. And I thought, you know what, cocktails and that kind of either conversation you have with your bartender or conversation you have with friends over a few drinks, that's something that often brings us into great insights with people and great deep conversations And what about combining the two? And so that's where the concept was born of mixing together cocktails and coaching and doing it under this, um, you know, sort of avatar of mine called The Naked Bartender.
1: I don't normally record the episodes midday. It's normally in the evening or later. So normally I would have a drink, but it feels, and I would kill for a cocktail (laughs) right now. But, you know, it is only like two o'clock. So I'll, you know,
0: try. I don't judge. If you want to go make yourself a drink, by all means. I mean, we haven't got the
1: time, but I wish I could kill for a Long <laughs> Island right now. Honestly, I love the idea of being in like a smoky piano bar with like a bit of jazz playing in the background and just like telling my woes to the bartender, like you see in old time yeah, films.
0: exactly. This whole naked bartender thing for me is also a, an experiment, right? My usual work under Move Leadership, which is what it's called, I don't even have a social media presence for, right? There's a website. But, you know, for me, exploring how to actually land the idea that we actually do can have really deep, profound conversations either with friends or even with strangers um, has been an exploration. And I think part of this idea of having a conversation with your bartender is opening up to somebody who doesn't know you at all and what Mm. that does to us, right? Very often we have more courage to say real truths to people who know nothing about us at all than people who know us. And I think that's in some ways also part of why coaching works, right? Is that our coach is often someone who doesn't have you know a deep presence in our day-to-day lives and so through that they can offer a kind of neutrality along with a bunch of other parts that make coaching so special um, that allows us to hopefully you know access more of ourselves and be more accountable for ourselves also more authentic and creative than we might be if we're talking with you know our best friends or our family Mm.
1: what so you you might be i imagine you'll be able to answer this properly for me is there is slash what is the difference between being a therapist and being a life coach, are, are they the kind, are they, do they mirror each other? Are they the same or are they completely different?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And it's, um, it's an important distinction. So the way that I understand and explain to all of my clients what the difference is, is that therapy is very often looking backwards into our lives and unpacking things that have already happened to us in order to be able to process them or learn from them or even move through and let go of their grip on us, uh, and so that's why you often hear, you know, the association that therapy is, you know, looking back into childhood, for example, and figuring out what happened when we were kids. Coaching has a different stance, which is coaching is really looking at where are you today and where do you want to go tomorrow, right? So, coaching is really looking at the present into the future, and coaching really takes on the stance, and this is at least you know in the coaching training that I have, that you are not broken. And therefore, you don't need to be fixed, right? There's nothing wrong with you that needs to be kind of solved. It's more that sometimes in life we stumble across, you know, blocks or barriers or blockages that prevent us from seeing how naturally creative and resourceful and whole we actually are. And so I think, you know, when you put that together, there is a difference, right? That therapy often is looking at kind of you know, fixing what's broken and trying to kind of understand why something keeps happening to us. And, um, and coaching is more taking on the stance that, you know, you're great just the way you are. Sometimes we just need a little bit of a pickup to remind ourselves of that in the end, I think both complement each other super well, right? So it's not that, you know, one is better than the other. I think for certain challenges in our lives, um, coaching just is not equipped and not the appropriate place to explore that. Um, and therapy absolutely is right. And there's very clear lines when, you know, a topic starts to get to a point where I would have to say, you know, this isn't really appropriate for coaching anymore, but when people are looking at things that really are around, you know, where am I today and what are my goals and what am I trying to change in my life and what are the things that I really want to achieve and how can I become a better XYZ, you know, partner, boss, friend, those are all great topics to explore in coaching. And of course they connect to who we are in the past, but, uh, you know, I often am trying as a coach to, you know, to spend as little time talking about the past as possible and really keep people talking about what's here right now and what is it that they want to actually start living that's part of their emerging future.
1: Cool. Thank you for that. Yeah, I was, I was, before I was doing my prep for this uh, talk and I was like, I I was, I, I got stumbled. I was like, is there a difference? What is the difference? And I got the, the opportunity to ask you. So we are going to go into your past a bit more to find out a bit more about your future. I mean, this isn't therapy, obviously, <laughs> but um, uh-huh. look what I did there. i listening. He's very clever. Thank you. Before we start, then, we tend to start the podcast with a section called happy moment, which is basically a story, a fact, a memory from our guest, uh, just to start off the podcast in a happy, positive energy. So could you please share a happy moment with us?
0: Oh, wow. I mean... It's funny because I was also thinking before we started, like, what is happiness for me? And I think happiness for me is the experience of joy that I have when I appreciate a particular moment. Right, And um, I mean, just thinking about uh, this past weekend as an immediate reference, I mean, there was a a friend that I met up with and two other friends who were visiting him from Berlin. um, And we all went out to a paella uh, restaurant on the beach in the evening and you know two of these people are new for me I just met them earlier in the day one person I know quite well and we just spent so much time laughing with each other and sharing stories and listening to each other and the conversation was was you know both deep and also light and you know super respectful but also kind of edgy and you know a little bit sort of um at times you know kind of risky because it's all new people and I just found myself really in the moment, right? Like completely enjoying the presence of these people not thinking about anything else. You know, a four hour dinner flew by and, you know, then we went to drinks afterwards. It was just very, um, I guess I was just very aware of how present I felt and how much that moment felt to me like something that was um, bringing out the size of myself that I really love and that give me a lot of energy. Um, So that would be the most uh, recent one that I just experienced. How about you?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, You know what? Weirdly, I had a really crap week last week. Um, I cannot put my finger on what what it was. It wasn't a work thing. It wasn't a relationship thing. It wasn't my friend thing. I just could not shake um, how crap I felt. I just felt really down. Uh, And I was looking forward to this one because I I know i would be talking to someone who celebrates um life coaching. Obviously I'm not looking for free tips or a free session. But um my partner Colin, he he was just really great and I I could not put into words with him how, why I was feeling down. I I didn't know what was wrong with me and I felt really weird not knowing the reason. But just having my partner there like just I, I was apologizing for feeling crap um and he was like you don't need to apologize. Just yeah, so I am I'm, I'm grateful and I'm 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 quite grateful. Yes, I'm grateful for my partner just to listen to me being a bit down and sloppy um and it was really nice that i had him there for that
0: and you know i mean i think that also so thank you for um for sharing that because i think that there's something about the highs that only really happen if we also understand and experience the lows right and when i think about happiness as such i mean for me personally happiness has never been the goal um And I I feel that focusing on some sort of like permanent state of happiness is not only unrealistic, but also dangerous, right? Because happiness is a a feeling that I think we experience often because of the absence of sadness, right? When we notice that a moment uh, that has no sadness in or has relatively little sadness, or if we experience sadness and then experience a different kind of emotion that doesn't feel like that, and feels like the opposite of that. I think we often attribute that to a state of happiness, but because those two things are linked, right? Like the more we sense, you know, sadness, the more we crave for happiness. To me, the, my own personal kind of goal state has always been more of a, um, grounded state of personal calm, right? Like I feel that if I have a state of personal calmness in which I am both Able to experience the sadness and experience the happiness and not be attached to holding on to either, then um, to me that feels much healthier and and it feels like a kind of well being. And so when I hear you know what you're talking about with having a week you know or some days where we just feel kind of this unexplained sadness, um, I think for me when I'm in those situations it helps me actually appreciate kind of like when the body is sick. In those moments we really notice how much we took for granted our being healthy, mm-hmm. you know, but only remember it when we're sick. It's the same way that I feel about happiness, which is, I often don't really recognize my happiness until it's gone. And, you know, I feel that sadness. And so I use those moments of sadness when I can to just really try to feel it and be in it. And maybe sometimes not even fully understand it because then when it changes, I really notice what a relief that is. Does that make sense?
1: No, totally, yes, yes. See, we don't normally get this deep on Champions of Happy, and people don't normally ask me what my happy moment was. No, I thought that's what this was no, about. No, no, it's great, it's great. <laughs> it's it, my. Uh, it's getting a bit intellectual. Um, It's just I have to keep up with my guests being so smart as they are. Well, I am not so much. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for asking me. No one normally asks me uh, my happy moments, um, and I tell mm. a bad moment, uh, ironically. But you, uh, so you, what came first then? Mm. So you, you're a life coach um, for your... Uh, I, don't, I don't want to say proper job, but life coaching is your profession. Uh, bar, the naked bartender is a side of that. What came first? I mean, did you bartend when you were younger? Has that evolved or is that something you've picked up as, as things have gone along?
0: Yeah. So true confession, I have never bartended a day in my life. What? However, the illusion is I have, shattered. I have the illusion is shattered. However, I do have a bartending license, right? So I have... in in the true way that I would do it, I got super interested in cocktails over Corona, right? So I never really got into cocktails. And then like everybody else, you know, got really into drinking every night and found out that some friends that were coming over to, you know, do workouts with us in our apartments, um, you know, in our little pod bubble thingy, that one of them had been a trained, uh, not only a trained bartender, but that he had his own bartending school in Copenhagen. And so then we started you know this was summer of 2020 started just doing between the six of us these little evening dinners where we would say okay let's um let's make dumplings tonight and what would be two good cocktails that pair with that right or let's make pizza tonight and do two you know cocktails that pair with that and i had gotten a bar at home that um was also you know a a corona redecoration project that started with you know wallpaper for some room and then we discovered this cool little vintage bar and then bought it and so it became this whole thing And it was on one of those nights where we were making drinks and, you know, I, it was hot in the summer. I was topless as I always am when I'm at home and somebody just said, oh my God, you should be the naked bartender. Right. And that's kind of where it started as a concept. And when I then combined it with coaching and thought, okay, how can I legitimately do this in a way that if any of my business clients saw, I would still be proud to stand Mm -hmm. next to and say, yeah, that's, that's me. And that's not any different than what you're getting. It's just a different form and, you know, maybe a different level of, um, audience. Uh, and at some point I did feel, you know what I need to, in order for this concept to have legs, I actually really need to up my game on the bartending. And so I signed up for this program, which is a month long, eight hours a day, five days a week, bartending school and learned, you know, the top 70 drinks that you need to learn and how to make 15 cocktails in under 12 minutes. And how to flare bottles and how to free pour without measuring and how to take a test on the entire history of alcohol that is, you know, three hours long. So it was quite an experience. And uh, and and that's totally the way that I like to do things. Right. Which is like I sort of find something and then just want to get a certificate in it (laughs) and call myself you know, accredited. But I have never bartended behind an actual bar besides this program and for my friends. For a single day, and uh, it's not out of a lack of interest. I'm super interested and actually want to do it, Um, and uh, I'm kind of waiting for when the right opportunity pops up, whether it happens here in Barcelona or in Berlin. Um, So the bartending definitely came second. The you know the coaching and the facilitation has been stuff that I've been doing for years. I also you know have degrees in psychology and economics, so that's where somehow in hindsight it all makes sense. Right at the time, I had no idea that this is what I wanted to be doing. Um, and then this new iteration is, um, it's an experiment. It really is an experiment, right? Cause it takes a huge amount of time, as you know, to produce content and to be putting stuff out there every day mm. and to be, you know, essentially working for free. But I really do want this to turn into something massive, right? I, I have lots of visions for what the naked bartender could become. Um, and these two years right now that I'm in are kind of the experiment and time and money investment into seeing whether it's possible and whether I can kind of create this, Alternative version of how to help people get into a more healthy and sustainable mindset, whether it's at work or in their day-to-day lives.
1: That's cool. I mean, that wasn't the answer I was expecting. I was expecting you to tell me that you were bartender as a student and you've picked up psychology on the way or something that's kind of killed like the next 50 next questions um no that's fine um so <laughs> what is your favorite cocktail to make and what's the, the what cocktail is the most faff and hassle to make
0: i mean the cocktail that i've you know been loving so much so when i started bartending stuff i, I was always into espresso martinis right and that was for me just like one of my first drinks. I think you know anything that has foam on it and amaretto sour, I kind of love that kind of thing because I really enjoy figuring out how to play with the foam texture and how to actually make that um, something that's that's really you know enjoyable and beautiful to look at. I think more recently, what has been a total discovery for me is anything that has whiskey in okay it, right so I remember when i uh in Berlin had this um british from manchester um that's where i'm from barber and he always used to is that where you're yeah, from yeah. yeah he was um he was a good guy and he uh always had whiskey on his little you know barber um stand and would offer it to me and i would take a sip and i just hated it right it burns so bad if you don't like whiskey mm-hmm. and it's such an acquired taste i find uh, you don't like it either
1: uh, i no. I my i bought my boyfriend a certain i can't remember what type it's called but i bought him one uh, and I love the smell of it. I, I love when he, drink, when he drinks it. It's like, I'll just be there sniffing it. Can't taste it though. I, it just tastes like paint stripper to me. I don't understand it. But I, I know some people it's love really it. really Some people don't
0: love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's some and some. And also there is an acquired element to it, right? Like through this bartending school, I started to understand how to appreciate it. Started to understand why it would be smoky. Started to understand the intensity of it and how to even think about, you know, the different notes and scents and barrels and wherever it comes from, you know, and how that region or soil plays into it. But I didn't know any of that. So then I was just drinking it and getting struck and hit by the intensity of the alcohol in it. And um, so now I've become much more into, uh, you know, also exploring drinks that don't have all this kind of creamy foamness, but are more almost the pure ingredients, right? Like an old-fashioned or, you know, a boulevardier or any of these drinks that are just a couple of ingredients, but really based strongly in, you know, a whiskey or a rye or a bourbon, and then maybe have some little, you know, second ingredient that kind of sweetens it up or does something to it. Um, And I mean, I I just took another um, one of these courses recently, which was a mixology course, where we learned how to smoke a drink, right? So where you actually kind of add smoke on top of the drink and have it kind of like sit in a little glass jar type of thing. So yes, I mean, there's, it's an endless possibility and you know, who knows Um, maybe one day I will live your, you know, expectation of my answer in reverse, which is I'll become a full-time bartender and let go completely (laughs) of this um, coaching stuff. And uh, there is some part of me that loves that idea of just, you know, signing up for a club med bartending job for six months and just being there on the beach, you know, making drinks for all the customers. I mean, I, I think I would love that. And I would love the idea, and this is also, you know, one of these future dreams if the naked bartender works out, I would love to open up a speakeasy Oof. where every bartender is a trained coach. And when you order your drink, it's up to you where you take the conversation. But that whole thing that you just said never happens anymore mm-hmm. actually would be encouraged to happen. And if you want to go there, your bartender is equipped to actually go there, right? And to have that level of exploration and and, uh, and conversation, which, you know, at the end of the day, is just a, a skill set of how do you listen and how do you reframe back and how do you reflect what you hear and, and ask good questions
1: so you, you briefly mentioned it before when we were talking about therapy uh, and life coaching but say i'm a complete dummy what and i'm coming to you and i'm saying what is a life coach
0: so i describe a life coach as someone who asks you stupid questions and listens to your brilliant answers oh okay
1: well i've got plenty of stupid questions so so <laughs>
0: You are so typically self-deprecating in your Britishness. <laughs> ta <Ta-da. laughs> I think, ta-da, here I am. So, you know, I think that at its core, you know, in the simplified way that I'm describing, that helps people understand, you know, what the process looks like. Um, the kind of coaching that, that I do, which, you know, is a particular school of coaching called co-active coaching involves a lot of both of us right? So of course you are the topic bringer, right? And the entire thing is about you and focused on you and in service of your growth and development. And what I'm doing is partially asking questions, right? And asking hopefully, you know, good questions that allow you to think about things in a different way. But I'm also playing back a lot of what I hear. I'm also mirroring things that you're saying. I'm also pointing out tensions or potential you know, conflicts between one thing that you've said here and another thing that you've said there, um, very often I'm tapping into my own intuition and feeling what you're saying, right? And saying, you know, that I f- that feels really uncomfortable. It feels really heavy or it makes me feel really sad or um, I can feel how rushed you are right now or I can feel what a sense of, you know, importance this has for you, right? So I'm helping through my own kind of sensing and my own body, you know, allow you to see things and perhaps focus things in a different way than you normally would if you were just thinking about it on your own. Um, I think a lot of coaching is helping people reconnect with what's important to them, their values, how to stand in their, you know, truths and what makes them powerful people. Um, And coaches help you remind, you know, how to get there. Um, Another piece of coaching that I think is important is the accountability model, right? So you know that every two weeks, let's say, when we speak, I will revisit whatever it is that you asked me to revisit. If there's, you know, some sort of homework or something that you wanted to work on in between, I will be there asking, "How did that go?" And if you didn't do it, great. So, what's your learning from it, right? I mean, those are things that a friend, as well intentions as they are, would just never do, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't have the relationship uh, and the permission to do that, right? And um, and very often we have, in, and it's totally normal, right? As a friend, you start talking about a problem, and and what do friends often do, right? It's often they'll say, "Oh, wow, well, that's so interesting. That reminds me of when, right?" And then they start talking about themselves, and sometimes that's helpful. Um, and often it's not helpful, right. Especially if you really have a problem, right. And you want to work through it. So, you know, as a coach, it's not about me, right. This entire relationship is completely focused on, on what is in service of your own development and and the reasons why you signed up for it. Um, and so that's, I mean, you know, in a nutshell, I think that's kind of the different dynamics or different elements. Um, and you know, in terms of what you can do, I mean, there's so many possibilities, right. Obviously there can be a conversation like this. But I also use a lot of body movement, right? Asking people to show me what something feels like, asking people to show me where they feel something. Do you feel it in your head, in your shoulders, in your stomach, in your butt, right? Like tell me where this is living inside you and then using the body as a way to even move that emotion and start exploring it and understanding it through a different lens. Um, And that's been amazing to see that that can also happen, you know, virtually as much as it can happen in person, Uh, you know doing a coaching through a forest is different than doing a coaching on a beach which is different than doing a coaching sitting across the table right and each has elements that we can draw from to inspire the conversation or to add another perspective to it so does that give you yes how does that sound when you hear that I think
1: I I feel like I need to sign up um how so what
0: have you not done any coaching before
1: I've never done any sort of live coaching before I uh, I bet uh, ah the weird thing is I've been asked not a lot, but a few. Since I started the podcast, and I'm on various websites when I look for guests, and I've had a few people come to me who claim to be life coaches, um, but then you look a bit a little deeper into their profile and into their information, it, it just there it just seems quite patchy. So I I'm always been a bit on the and again quintessentially British um, on the fence about uh, this kind of thing. But obviously, when I saw your profile, um, it all made sense, and I was like. I like this. I like this guy. Um, but yeah, so no, I've never done any sort of therapy or life coaching or anything. No. I mean, I I, I do talk a lot. So I do tend to, I don't tend to bottle, th- I don't bottle things in. So maybe I could do with some.
0: Mm. Oh, you, I mean, I think at a certain, you know, so finding the right coach is super important, right? And, uh, you know, coaches have life coaches, right? It's not like once you're a coach, you just know how to solve all your own problems, right? I mean, there's something about having somebody else listen with the intention of helping you unlock where you're getting stuck, right? And see things from a different perspective that and, and also bring in their perspective, right? It's not that they're just like a neutral mirror. I mean, they have their own life experiences and preferences and interests and motivations. And as long as they can offer those in a non-attached way, those can often very, you know, they can really serve um, moving things along, right? And that's why it's so important to find the right kind of coach that you have chemistry with. But I remember when I first Heard the term life coach, which totally comes, you know, from the U.S. But I heard it for the first time in Germany when I had moved to Berlin. Somehow I had fallen. I, I had signed up for these ballroom dance evenings um, that were just absolutely incredible. By the way, the, Berlin has this um, club called Sozietatrisik So36, which has um, basically you know queer ballroom dance nights every Sunday. And Amazing. as an American coming there, you know, where I couldn't find a soul to ballroom dance with me besides the people that I danced with on a you know ballroom dance team in college. But like saying that you go out ballroom dancing was seen as such a nerdy thing and you do it with people, you know, who are 70 plus to go to this club where there were just hundreds of people in every age demographic in every kind of gender and sex and self-identity dancing with everybody and knowing properly how to dance ballroom dance. Like everyone you had to follow and lead was such an eye-opening experience for me and such a confirmation of the reason that I moved to Germany. And I stumbled into a coaching circle. So I stumbled into a group of friends where a lot of them happened to be life coaches. And I'd never heard of that term before, even though it, you know, originally came from the US. And as I started meeting these people, I had perhaps a somewhat similar experience to what you described looking at people's profiles, where it felt like, how can you be a life coach if your life is such a mess? (laughs) Right. Like the incongruency or even, you know, hypocrisy, if you want to call it that between you being someone who's supposed to help others and your own finances, relationships, personal awareness being so all over the place. It just felt to me like such an inconsistency and it totally turned me off from life coaching for a good, you know, six or seven years. And so my work in the beginning was only with, you know, groups, facilitation, helping groups at companies have these important conversations and it was only years later that somebody, a life coach that I work super closely with, as a colleague, said, you know, the way you work and the style that you have of working with groups is so life coachy that if you just took one of these courses, you would actually find that what you're already doing has a name, has an entire industry, and it would sharpen Your skill set through being more aware of you know what it is that's so powerful about the way that you know you can ask questions and listen, and so I signed up um, for a beginners you know kind of fundamentals course it's called and was just hooked right I just thought this is the most fascinating thing whether I use it for work or not it it fundamentally changes how you listen to any kind of person right coaching or not just friendship right being able to listen to you know what people are really saying and not to that voice in our own head that's already thinking about the next thing we're going to ask or comment on or, you know, respond with. And then I signed up for the whole thing and it just became kind of an intuitive addition to my work. So it wasn't something I, you know, strongly necessarily thought I would identify with, but it just added to my work. And and now, you know, frankly, when people ask me what I do, it's just a little bit easier if I say to people, you know, I coach executives and CEOs and then work with their teams than if I say to people I'm a facilitator, right? Because nobody knows what a facilitator is, right? And the majority of people aren't going to ask, um so i just you know i kind of use that to sort of set it up together but um i think i've also realized along the way that very often the things that we become interested in doing are not things that we pursue because we have those things all figured out but exactly for the opposite reason right that you know when i see how many life coaches also are struggling with things in their own lives it's not that they're you know hypocrites of their methods but rather that they're so passionate about those methods because they find them so necessary and useful and needed in their own lives, right? And and I'd be curious for you. I mean, you know, what is it that draws you to, you know, champions of happiness? I know certainly for me with The Naked Bartender, a lot of my topics that I talk about are confidence. And it's not because I'm a confidence master, but exactly the opposite, right? Because I struggle with my own confidence in so many different situations and have been in so many places, whether it's a social party or a work event or a one-on-one where I have all of these Absolutely unnecessary and unhelpful self doubting thoughts creep into my head, you know, and play me down and bring me down and try to, you know, undermine my own sense of self and contribution. That I find it, you know, endlessly interesting to create posts about that. And I, I don't know, I'm curious for you, like, what is it that you think draws you actually to do a podcast on? happiness and how does that connect you know with your own relationship with happiness
1: i i'm very much i mean like you bartending was um for you your bartending was your covid project um whereas making a podcast uh was one of what was mine it's how the podcast started but um i i love hearing people's stories Um uh, and i love i'm not a particularly very interesting person myself um but i like talking to people who's, who are and i like asking questions and i like finding out little things um I, I like exploring that and I like to put it out there a bit because I, I, I'm not the most, like I say, not very interesting and that's okay. Um, But I, I like being interested by people's stories. I'm not a storyteller, but I, I like to hear people tell their stories. And that's kind of where it all came from, really.
0: Yeah, mm. I mean, there's in a in a different session, in a different context, I would obviously love to dig into this seventh or eighth self-deprecating comment that you've offered about yourself now. Uh, That certainly creates a pattern of, um, you know, really interesting beliefs, right, that we carry about ourselves, whether it's that we think we're interesting or funny or smart or intelligent or whatever. Um, I think it's just it is so interesting to see how those thoughts play into not just, you know, daily conversation like ours, but, you know, ultimately kind of the identity that we carry around and believe in about ourselves, And I'm sure there, you know, if I knew more about you and your world, I could find a list of a hundred people who would say that James is super fascinating and very interesting. Um, And that's sometimes so interesting to me is how from the outside, we often don't see our greatest gifts that are so obvious to other people who are looking at us from their perspective. Right. Like from the inside, we don't see our own gifts. That's often from the outside perspective are so obvious to others. Mm. Um, And that's why I love that you're doing this, right? Because I think sometimes through sharing these kinds of stories and and exchanges, um, you know, even as you're saying it, right? Like finding someone else interesting, you finding me interesting is a kind of external validation of something that, um, you know, in, in many ways sort of is helpful to hear for any human being because we so often otherwise walk around with our own inner dialogue that says something else, right? That says I'm not interesting, or people don't see me, or I'm not really valuable, or what am I contributing, right? And to get that kind of um, connection with somebody from the outside world who just says, "No, actually, you are," right? Or if nothing else, you are interesting to me, right? That fulfills such a basic human need of wanting to be seen and um, and appreciated by other people. Mm. Oh gosh, gosh! So I think you're very interesting, Thank and I think you the fact much. that you're doing this podcast is um, says so much more about who you are than perhaps what you um let on oh i knew you'd be a good one
1: i knew i knew i knew i knew. <laughs> ah, i've got all the lovely feels now um i guess on that do, when you, you you do virtual and you do um in real life sessions do you find people from different places in the world react differently to the like the sessions um
0: so we're talking about the naked bartender now, not coaching, right? Um, are we talking about both?
1: I guess they, they, they interlink. I, I mean, you must, I assume you have clients from all across the world, I imagine.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think when it comes to like, you know, business work, business challenges, you know, we're, we're at a place in the world right now where we see that a lot of the ways that businesses have been run, the management styles, the leadership styles that people have used are kind of crashing in on themselves. Right, and many of the um, more hierarchical. You do this because I said so. You work, you know, eighteen hours a day because um, there's a carrot at the end of the stick that is just being massively challenged all over the world. Some cultures more than others. You know, it's certainly something that we see a lot in Europe, and the U.S., where there's you know among younger people such a strong desire for work to be fulfilling and to be purpose driven and to feel fair and to be respecting of our values um, and. You know, So I think that's something that is international in the sense that I see this happening with clients everywhere, but there are certainly some countries where the briefing that I get before I walk in is you need to know that this is a very hierarchical company where people are not innovative, not creative, and won't speak up, right? And your challenge is to get them to do all of that, <laughs> right? Now, I think that some of that, you know, and that's different than in other companies or even, you know, potentially linked to countries where... That might be the briefing, but there's a strong sense of, and people really do want to open up, right? Like they really are ready for it or they need it. Um, You know, I was just working with a client uh, last week in Germany where, uh, you know, for, for, it's a very hierarchical organization. It's a consulting company. And for many years, you know, it just worked that people were spoken to in an incredibly rude way, were expected to be, you know, resources and not humans, were, yeah. you know, giving up massive amounts of their lives, you know, working every day from 8 in the morning until 3 at night and doing that endlessly without any gratitude or appreciation. Or, and, you know, finally, because people really do start to feel, I think nowadays, like they have choice, this particular, you know, company started really noticing that the level of, you know, attrition, right, people leaving the company and the level of, you know, super high attrition and very low engagement, right, and nobody wanted to join in the future, and um, and actually no females involved, right, like they were having real difficulty having any kind of um, gender diversity, and it just finally clicked for them that if we keep doing what we're doing, it's not going to work, right, like something needs to change, and so I think for a lot of companies and for a lot of people, there's this recognition now that kind of what used to work and got us to where we are today is not going to be what we need to get us where we want to go to tomorrow. Um And that is, I think that is universal. I think that's something that at any point in our lives, we, we start to realize that we have to keep changing our kind of the way that we show up. Otherwise, you know, if we just keep doing what we've always done, it doesn't just keep working, right? At some point, you kind of have to revisit what are the current challenges and see if the strategies that we've had in the past are still helpful for the challenges that we have right now. Um, And in that sense, I think that, um, you know, coaching in some way is the same thing, just at an individual level, right? Like we, I mean, you can get coaching, you know, to accompany your entire lives, but typically coaching has more of like a, you know, sort of peaks and valleys type of approach, right? There's certain times in your life where having a coach is super helpful. And then often you go through that journey, you know, for me, it's usually working with someone for six months, maybe a year max. And then they kind of say, you know what, that's great. Now let me go out into the world and apply all this, right? And hopefully while you're coach being coached anyway, you're applying it, but let me go out and apply it without having a coach that's holding me accountable and, you know, checking in on me every two weeks. And then you go out and you find what worked and what didn't work right? Like even for me, when I was learning coaching, that was like a super intense time period of learning, learning, learning. And then after that, I felt like I don't want to learn a new thing for another three years. I just want to now give energy out and try this out and see how the world responds. And then slowly, right? Like the appetite increases because something changes and you start noticing, okay, I think I'm ready for like tackling the next challenge or I'm ready to up my game or I'm ready to develop myself in a new way. Um, and for me, the next like biggest education thing that I'd done was then the bartending school, right? Which was like in the middle of a full-time, you know, working life to take out a month of, you know, basically eight in the morning until six at night and doing that nonstop and then studying every night for these crazy tests that happened every single day, which I just had no idea was part of the program. That was intense, right? And then after I finished that, I was like, there's no way that I want to go back and learn anything else (laughs) right now, right? I just want to pause and kind of absorb and use it um, and then wait until the next thing happens. And I think that's true for all people right we're just constantly in this sort of like you know fast forward then slow down then reflect see what's happening you know recollect and then sort of get ready for the next thing um and in those moments of reflection and getting ready for the next thing and, and figuring out what you need that's new that's where having a coach can be really amazing whether it's for an individual or a group or a whole company
1: mm. you touched on it very briefly before when you, I think you mentioned something like how life coaches have their own coaches i from an outsider perspective i look at your instagram feed for the naked bartender and you give out these fantastic tricks and tips and techniques on how to improve your life in small ways and which can really build up to really making a difference D- do those the, the practices you teach do they work for you or do because looking outside in it looks like you've got everything all together like you must be i look to you and i think oh god he must have his brain must be like on it and proper and happy um but I, I guess you're but you're human though. So I assume that would be silly. So you must have your down days and your low days. What you teach, does that work for you? Or do you have to do something different outside of what you teach?
0: I think that what I'm teaching on The Naked Bartender in particular is my attempt at trying to make the tools that I use in myself as simple and entry level as possible, right? So the short answer to your question would be yes. But the follow-up reply to that would be and much more, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, everything that's on The Naked Bartender is absolutely stuff that I believe in fundamentally that's all coming from a space of, you know, real experience with it and a real reflection on what would be helpful now. And there's so much more than just that, which is all the other stuff that's out there that I think so many great people are doing. And I wanted to address an audience where I felt they've never heard any of this before. Okay. Okay. Right. So there's so much more around, you know, the deep reflection that you can do so much more that you can do around really looking at, you know, why we behave we do. What are the traumas that we carry in our lives? How do we unpack those things? How do we start to let go of, you know, limiting beliefs? How do we really work on anxiety? Right. I mean, there's there is so much more out there when I thought about, you know, who do I want to address with this? I wanted to address someone who is just getting started off in life as an adult or a young adult is maybe feeling kind of lost and powerless at work, in relationships, maybe even in social circles, you know, doesn't really have like a super strong clarity yet or foundation on who they are and who they want to be. And so when I think about that user group, right, that kind of persona, what would be the tips that would be most helpful to hear then, right? What would be the tips that are helpful to hear when your boss yells at you and said you did a terrible job? Hmm. What would be the tips that are helpful when you go up on a date with someone and it goes really bad? You know, what would be the tips that are helpful when you're sitting alone at home wondering why nobody's calling you, but it feels like everybody on Instagram has an amazing life, right? What are the tips that would be helpful when you just get, you know, really sad and you don't know how to get out of it, right? Or, you know, what are the tips that are helpful when, you know, you're trying to change your life and reach a really crazy goal that everybody says you're never going to achieve because you're not good enough? Right, like these are all things that I think, to some extent, we sh- we we are confronted by at any point in our lives. But in particular, I think they are um, true when we're kind of starting off in life, right? Like, you know, early twenties, you know, mid twenties, early thirties, maybe even. Right, there's just kind of a lot of um, questions that I remember facing then, and I see a lot of other people facing. Um, that I, you know, like many of us who are. Um, basing it off of experience and also age, right? At a certain point, you start looking back at those times and saying, oh, wow, I wish I knew that when I was that age,
1: Mm.
0: right? I wish I had had those skills. I wish I had had that. So, you know, and to answer your second question, right, do I experience these things myself? I mean, for me, the the key to happiness and the key to well-being is not that all of these things just go away and you have them figured out, right? It's not that stress doesn't exist. It's not that emotions don't surface. It's not that sadness, you know, is no longer present. It's not that anxiety just disappears. All of those emotions continue to visit me um, with as much frequency as any other person. I think the skill set that I'm trying to bring across to people, which is what I'm, you know, kind of framing in this concept of positive mindset, is that we have a choice over how we respond to those things right, that we all have a choice of whether those emotions and those thoughts and those doubts and those fears and those concerns and those worries and those perspectives, whether they are something that we just carry with us day after day after day, month after month, year after year, or whether through practice, and it is practice, um, and real training, just like you would train at a gym, whether we develop the ability to actually shorten the amount of time that those um, experiences or feelings or emotions or thoughts that we don't feel are helping us get where we want to get to are holding on to us without us being able to do anything about them, right? And I think at a younger age, those things held on to me for longer. And as I get older and adopt and use all these skills like the ones that I'm talking about in um, in The Naked Bartender, it's about noticing ah there you are right there's that emotion or there's that unhelpful thought again or there's that you know self kind of doubting um, confidence blow again and shortening the amount of time that it has a grip on me without me being able to do anything about it and by shortening it and by creating a bit of space you know around it it allows me to then notice it to work on it to potentially change it to understand it more deeply you know to basically be in choice right and the choice might be you know what i want to stay with my sadness for a while. Right. Like I really liked the way that you described, you know, last week as, you know, there was just this sadness there and I don't know why I was there, but I had my partner and that kind of felt comforting. Mm. Right. And sometimes that's enough, right. To just be in that space of recognizing it and deciding, you know, okay, this is just what it is right now. I'm just going to, you know, sort of swim in it. And other times it's helpful to actually know, you know, how to change it and not get, you know, sort of totally stuck in it. Um, And that for me is the biggest key, right, is like this positive mindset or this happiness piece. It's really about having the awareness and the choice to say, okay, now that I recognize the state that I'm in, how do I actually work with that? Right. And what do I want to do with that? And do I have the skill set to be able to do the thing that I want to do with it? does
1: that make sense it does yes it, uh, it, uh, i'll have to listen back to that maybe once or twice but yeah the fundamentals are there i, I get <laughs> i know we're limited for time i feel like i to you i could talk to you for forever um but i couldn't let you go without bringing up the comment the, the subject of naked um what, what very briefly because i know oh, you're yeah. limited why naked and are you naked on, on your sessions under your apron because i'm sure the the listeners at home will want to know <laughs> The I, so there questions. is
0: a uh... Yes. These are the important ones. So, I mean, the naked part for me is about being authentic, vulnerable, and honest, right? That's what the naked part for me is about. Mm -hmm. The naked bartender is about stripping back the layers, the masks, the protection that we all wear to keep ourselves from connecting with each other and from having real conversations and from getting to know each other. Right. So for, you know, the first, um, iteration, of the naked bartender. I stood there, you know, topless and wearing an apron. Um, and for some episodes, like there is a little reel out there called why naked, um, I actually am naked under the apron, but that makes the whole point, which is that it's not about, you know, physical nakedness, right? This is about, um, soulful nakedness in a way, right? Like really exposing ourselves and just showing up as the full human beings that we are. Um, and what I've noticed, which has been interesting to learn, right? And this has really been a learning journey for me, is that actually a lot of people have difficulty focusing on what I'm saying if I'm standing topless. <laughs> sure. I right, Well, the, yeah, I can, I can kind of that, say that, yeah. I've gotten that feedback from a lot of people, you know, just um, you standing there, I'm, you know, staring at your boobs and not your words, right? And so I was like, okay, this is, this is fascinating, right? I thought the naked part of standing there topless would almost be a symbol for what i'm you know standing for and what i'm what i'm what i'm representing but in the more recent posts, which you'll notice um you know if you take a look at it again i'm starting to introduce more clothed pictures and that is actually the direction that i'll move in um, i'll keep the name the naked bartender because i think in a way having people see the naked bartender as a concept and then see me naked or in topless kind of almost closes the question for them right like why are you naked oh you're topless if I continue to hold a name, which I will, and I'm standing there with clothes on making cocktails and and, and talking about, you know, coaching and, and lifestyle and life mindset, then I think it actually begs the question of, wait, why are you called the naked bartender, right? If you're not topless. And then I can answer exactly what you just asked me, which is the whole point of mm-hmm. this is to have these real, honest, vulnerable conversations. Um, so that's what I'm, you know, that's something that I just find so beautiful and inspiring when I can have those. And, um, And I love that The Naked Bartender, you know, as a platform, as an idea, can potentially be a place where I can have more of those with people like this one with you, which has really felt very real and authentic. Oh,
1: good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I've I've had a lovely time. Again, again, I wish I could stay with you longer, but I know you've got to go. Um, Would you want to share your um, websites, Instagrams? Uh, How can we best, how can people find you, Daniel?
0: Yes, sure. Yeah. So on Instagram, it's just uh, the profile name is The Naked Bartender, um, just spelled out like that. The website is the same, The Naked Bartender, but it has dashes in between each word. I also am experimenting on Twitter, and it's the same name on there. Um, and otherwise, if they're interested in looking at my more usual facilitation coaching work, it's um, moveleadership.com, where you'll see a uh, very clothed and business-like looking version of myself
1: i'm sure it's very professional but i'm sure you're breaking the hearts of many gay boys and very lovely ladies out there putting clothes (laughs) back on but you know you're doing us all service so i can i understand that i appreciate it
0: thank you so much that's a good entry into the next one thank you james too i really appreciated this talk with you no
1: worries and we'll talk soon
0: hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter